On this episode of the World of Cockcalf, we head to Haiti. Hey everybody, welcome to the World of Concaf podcast. Uh, my name is Eric Schmitz. And I'm Donald Wine. And Jonathan is tied up and can't join us quite yet. So he will be hopping on a little later in the episode. Uh, fortunately, he is up to bat in real team or fake team. So um, Donald has had some rough goes of late on the real team or the fake team. Why are we and, bringing up old shit? Those were like, <laughs> those were podcasts ago, episodes ago. I mean, literally, they were the last two like real episodes that we did. You know, it was weeks ago. My they were number. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Charlie Murphy was next. <laughs> so Jonathan will be hopping on later, but we are here to guide you through our Cockacaf laser focus, and this one we want to go to Haiti. Uh, Haiti, of course, uh, just had a great CONCACAF W championship performance. Uh, things are on the up with the program a little bit. Like, they've they've been doing pretty good lately. And, uh, yeah, we want to talk about it. So let's just jump right into it. Donald, are you ready? Oh, yeah. Okay. So our CONCACAF laser focus this week is Haiti. I say this week. It's been Week since we dropped an episode. This week we're talking about Haiti. And let's just get a little background on the country of Haiti. Haiti, uh, fun fact, Haiti was originally spelled H-A-Y-T-I. You know, I, I don't know why they changed, but it works. Uh, Haiti's located on Hispaniola. Uh, it's actually the western side of the island uh, compared to the Dominican Republic, who's on the Left side of the island, the east side. No, it'd be the east side. Yeah, east side. My, my directions aren't necessarily great right now. Uh, Haiti is the most populous country in the Caribbean. Uh, while they were occupied by indigenous peoples for centuries, uh, some dickhole named Christopher Columbus showed up in 1492 and claimed it for Spain. Uh, Spain had set up their settlements there. Uh, and ceded what is now Haiti to France in 1697. Uh, after the Haitian Revolution, which was initiated in 1791, uh, that 12-year war, Haiti declared sovereignty on uh, January 1st of 1804. Haiti was actually the first independent nation of Latin America and the Caribbean. So Haiti has got more history than a lot of the islands, nations that we'll be talking about. Now, while they had declared their sovereignty, they were independent early on, it's been instability since. Uh, the U.S. actually occupied it from 1915 to 1934. The U.S. generally, not necessarily the good guys uh, in this region throughout history. Um, recently, in the early 2000s, there's a coup d'etat. Um, and I think the most notable thing about recent history and what has impacted the island the most. Um, in 2004, Tropical Storm Jan uh, hit the north coast 
of Haiti and killed 3,000 people. That was a precursor to the disaster in January of 2010. Uh, There's a 7.0 magnitude earthquake that killed over 250,000 people and left 1.6 million Haitians homeless. Uh, This, of course, was exacerbated by a cholera outbreak because the United Nations was poisoning the water. Uh, That killed 10,000 people. Haiti has been struggling. And most recently, in July of 2021, uh, the president was assassinated, which, if you remember the 2021 Gold Cup, like Haiti showed up with an assassination happening like at the time. And it's it's been tough in Haiti. We have seen um, the struggles for the people and for the program to maintain through all this trouble, but it's still an island island nation in the Caribbean. And Donald, you've been there. I have. Tell me about Haiti. What's the background? When were you there? What'd you do? So I've been there several times and um, I've been on cruises there and Royal Caribbean has a private like kind of beach that they own uh, off the coast or on the coast of Haiti uh, in a town called Labadee. And so I've been there several times with my family. It's um, it's been really, really fun. It's beautiful there. And the one thing that I'll say first about Haiti is the people there are so warm. They're so nice. Um, you don't get to go into town necessarily from uh, from the beach at Labadee, at least the Royal Caribbean side of things. But people come in every day to kind of sell their architecture, their, or their architecture, but their artwork, their um, their arts and crafts and stuff like that. And they have some fantastic art in Haiti. They have some fantastic artists that have you know immigrated to other parts of North America. Um, and just are of Haitian descent and have that kind of, uh, they have a a style of art that's very unique and it's also very identifiable. Like, you you know, whenever you see some Haitian art, you know um, that it's really authentic to the island's culture. Um, The Creole culture, that's just, you know, um, you know, like, as you mentioned, the history of how Haiti came to be is just, you know, it's a hodgepodge of different cultures kind of intersecting. It's, it's, evident in the culture it's evident in just like how they present themselves is evident in the art is evident in the architecture it's evident in the food um and it's just evident in their everyday lives yeah i i think you touched on something that i need to know about the food what'd you eat what was it like i mean so i've had so the haitian food i've had is not necessarily from the island i mean they they had a lot of jerk chicken there which is not necessarily native to Haiti, um, but still very, very delicious. Um, But they have a lot of, you know, different things involving bean paste and and obviously fruits for for breakfast. But um, a lot of the Haitian food I had, coincidentally, was when I lived in Miami. Um, Miami has a ginormous Haitian population. Um, They, you know, they even have a little Haiti um, in in just north of downtown Miami, where you can get a lot of Haitian cuisine. And it's very, very good. The Creole, again, it's mixing a lot of, you know, Indian flavors, a lot of Spanish flavors with some, you know, you know, some French culture, but at the same time, it's, it's also uh, Baron's not the right word to use it, but they, they've learned to make the most of what they don't have. Right. And you've talked about a lot of the struggles that their people have gone through 
even just recently, they have to make do in a lot of their a lot of their uh, cuisine comes from the fact that they don't have a lot. They don't have a lot of their uh, a lot of people don't make a lot of money. They're not able to get access to a lot of resources, so they have to make do with what they what they can get. And a lot of grain based again beans things that they can grow cheaply or obtain cheaply. And they use that to kind of spur the rest of their meals. Fruit, obviously, there's a lot of great fruit on the island. Um, and it's evident in a lot of their in a lot of their meals, uh, a lot of vegetables, but at the same time, some of it you just they just can't access. So uh, I think when it comes to Haiti, the the one thing I can say about them, they're warm people, they're absolutely proud people. They are so proud to be Haitian, and it's evident and they project that when you come across them and when you meet them. But it's also evident in everything that they do that they want to maintain their culture for generations to come, despite the fact that every so often it seems like a natural disaster or some other you know, political uprising or something happens that tries to limit their progress. They try to fight through that. And, it's, and, and when we talk about the soccer, it's clear that kind of mentality shows up in their soccer program, despite the fact that they aren't necessarily very good. Um, over the grand scheme of things, they they are fighters. And, and I think that's the one thing about Haitians. They are fighters. They will fight to the end. And you want to have some Haitians on your side. They are, they are great people. Yeah. Now, do you think that some of the unrest and the instability has contributed to having such a large population, especially down in Southern Florida? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, we're not going to get into the geopolitical relations between the united states and haiti the haiti and the you know the rest of the caribbean we're here for the soccer you know we're here for the soccer part but it is it is again it's you have to make note of the fact that those tensions are sometimes there you know there's a lot of haitians that that try to migrate to the united states especially southern florida but they're met with a little bit different of a reaction than other people who do immigrate to the united states and that again that's where some of their pride comes from. That's where some of their grit and their tenacity comes from because they have to fight through a lot of hurdles to make it wherever they are. And even on the island, the island is not big, but the island is very populated. As you mentioned, the the biggest population in the Caribbean, they have to, they are trained to kind of fight as the wrong word, but they have to be tenacious in getting anything that they can to to succeed in life and to, or, or just to make it in life. So I think that's evident, but the, but the cuisine they have is made with love. It's made with warmth. It's made with care. And again, it's made with resourceful resourcefulness, like getting what they can, turning it into a meal. It's a, this is a, maybe a crude way of saying it, but it's like chopped, right? Like, you know, chopped in a way they're like, Hey, take these ingredients and make something. That's what a lot of their, cuisine has kind of sparked from is like them taking hey let me take this plant take this fruit take these beans and take this grain and turn it into a meal Um, and they're able to do that with success yeah so taking what they got and making the best of it it's kind of what they do in life it's what they do in soccer i will say before we get to the soccer i will say the one thing that they that you can really taste their pride is in their rum um, especially rum barbancourt, which is their like national rum. Um, but the rum is very, very good. It's, it's, it's high quality rum. Um, I'm not going to call it like the pinnacle of the Caribbean, but it's definitely uh-huh. in that upper tier rum barbancourt is something you can get very, you know, very easily in the United States. Um, for those of you listening in the United States, 
but it's something you can get obtained very easily. It's very, very good. And it's, it's one of those, you know, one of those rums that you just kind of can sip on a very warm day, which Haiti has a lot of those warm days, a a rainy day, especially if it's during rainy season. Um, But no matter what the, the constant there is, no matter what the, you know, what may be going on in Haiti, the cuisine, the rum, everything that they produce uh, is made with the highest quality care. And it's made with that love and that warmth. I got my notepad here. Rum, barb, and cord. Yep. And they spell that... rum with a, with an H R H U M. So oh. usually when you get that, like the, the French territories um, will have rum spelled with an H in it, but rum, barb, and cord is the, is the one that you want to get. That's Haitian. Gonna have to check that out. So Let's talk the soccer. Uh, the Haitian Football Federation is the governing body of football, soccer in Haiti. Uh, founded in 1904, it actually joined FIFA in 1934 and then became a member of CONCACAF in 1961. Uh, the main stadium that they play at is the Silvio Cator. Uh, that's located in Port-au-Prince. Um, Silvio Couture was a Haitian Olympic medalist. Um, the stadium was opened in 1953. It took uh, it took a hit with the earthquake in 2010. Um, it's not necessarily in the best shape, but it is what they've got. So for Haiti, they've got their home field, and they've got a history. Like they've had a federation since 1904. So they've got a long history. And the one interesting historic thing I do want to talk about is a Haitian who's best known for not playing for Haiti. Uh, As an American soccer fan, you should know the name Joe Gatchins. Joe Gatchins was a Haitian who was a member of the 1950 U.S. men's national team that went to the World Cup. Interestingly enough, He played for the Haitian national team before he joined the United States. He'd been playing club soccer in the U.S. After he played for the U.S., he also went back and played another game for Haiti. He's got three caps for Haiti, three caps for the U.S. But one of those three caps for the U.S., he scored the winning goal, the only goal, in the most historic win in U.S. soccer history. World soccer history. World soccer. I mean, arguably, FIFA itself. FIFA itself called it the greatest upset in world soccer history. At least, at least on the international level. Yeah, no one believed it at the time. It happened. United States won. England zero. Greatest upset in soccer history, according to FIFA. Uh, Joe Gatchins was also named one of the 100 heroes of the World Cup for this one performance. The interesting thing about Gitchens, he was actually was never an American citizen. He played for the U.S. because he had said that he was going to apply, and so he was welcomed in, and he never actually gained citizenship. And it's a wild story. After his World Cup heroics success, he went back to Haiti. His family was involved in politics and ran against, ran in a presidential election. It was um, he was related to one of the candidates and he eventually became a political prisoner and allegedly died in prison he was basically disappeared in haiti no one ever found his body no one knows what happened to him um 
And this is a hero in Haitian soccer. And it's a wild story. There was a book that came out in 2010 that his son wrote called The Shot Heard Around the World, the Joe Getchen story. Just incredible, incredible story, uh, whether you're a U.S. soccer fan or a Haitian soccer fan. Um, in my in my coverage of Black History Month that I do every year at Stars and Stripes FC, like one of the first articles that I wrote years ago was about that story. Just I mean, about the fact that he wasn't a U.S. citizen back then. FIFA didn't care if you weren't a citizen as long as you declared your intent to do so. You could switch um, federations. But also that story about him, especially the fact that the reason why he ended up, he, he sent his family to the United States. And for some reason, his paperwork got hung up because of the fact that he de- tried to declare to be a citizen and then never actually followed through. He said, well, it basically said something to the effect of saying like, don't worry, this will take a few days, but I'll be fine. I'll, I'll see you in a few days. And never, and they never saw him again. It's very, it's a very wild and, and sad story, but um, for, for the United States fans, he is a legend because as you mentioned, he is, uh, he is the architect of the greatest subset in world soccer history. Yeah. In doing my research, I did come across. So have you seen the stuff about no one knows what number he wore? Like, correct. They, they cannot mm-hmm. nail down what number he wore when he scored that goal against England there. Everyone's kind of certain that he was wearing number 18, but there's literally no proof that he actually wore that number in that game. And guys who played on the team, uh, I think Walter Barr was asked this question years ago. And even Walter Barr was like, I don't remember. I think he was either nine or 18 or 14 or 12. And everybody's like, those are four numbers. And, he's like, <laughs> I, and then yeah. I think they said, didn't you wear number nine? He goes, okay, so it wasn't nine. Maybe it was eight. Um, so like no one, like even his teammates that were alive and have been asked this question have failed to recall what number he was. They were able to recall other guys on the team and kind of narrow it down. But like, there's been four number four or five numbers out there that have been attributed to him during that world cup and especially during that game. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was funny. Apparently they've got footage of him in one of the other games that they're pretty certain in that game, he was wearing 15, but he was not wearing that number in the game against England. So they don't, they think it's 18. They don't know, but and it's also back in a day where he started every game. And usually back then they just gave one to 11 to all the starters and all the subs so like people change numbers every game but he you know the numbers that they attribute him to wearing are all substitutes numbers but he started those three games which is instead again lends itself to the wildness of just like nobody on in on the planet not knowing uh the answer to one of life's like greatest mysteries for the united states uh soccer history yeah no one knows what happened to him. No one knows where his body is. They don't know what number he wore. The man of mystery. So Joe Gaitchens, hero of Haitian soccer. But Haitian soccer, let's talk more about that. Um, Donald, do you just want to kind of run down what their league structure looks like? Yeah, so they have the League Haitian, and they have other leagues, but there's not a lot of information on the lesser leagues. I mean, they have, I believe three or four divisions, but the main league they have is the league Haitian. It's their top division. And normally they have about 18 teams in, uh, in the top flight. So um, the current league that they have, I mean, they don't have anything on this past season 
um, right now, but they do have, um, you know, stuff on 2021. And it's, it's interesting because again, 18 teams, they play really 17 games. So they don't really play a, you know, a home and home. They just play each other once and that's it. Um, and that's kind of an interesting take on a season, given that most teams like to do home and away. Um, they just, you know, basically take 17 games and say, go at it. And, and whoever you play each, each team once and that's it. Um, but, you know, Haitian has had some a lot, a lot of decent players come out uh, of their leagues and, and to go to other leagues, but really just on their national team on the national level. Um, and they don't I don't think uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think they have a women's league functioning yet, um, but they do have the coup, uh, uh, the, the Haitian Cup. Um, that is contested for, by the men every single year. Yeah. And I do want to shout out Cavalier, uh, one of the Haitian clubs there. They were actually the 2021 CONCACAF Caribbean Ch- Club Championship um, champions, and they were entered into CONCACAF Champions League, the 2022 edition. Uh, I don't believe we've got – oh, and uh, Violet, which you may hear of later on this podcast – um, is the 2022 CONCACAF Caribbean Club Championship champions. They're making their debut in the CONCACAF Champions League. So Haitian clubs killing it in the CFU. Um, yeah, of course, you did mention they've got the Coupe de Haiti. Uh, that goes back into the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Always good to have that club, co- the cup competition going on uh, throughout the year. So... Those that's kind of like the league structure is like, um, let's talk about the national teams. Now we'll start off with the women. Uh, we recently had the CONCACAF W championship and Haiti balled out. Haiti had a really good showing. Uh, Donald, why don't you tell us a little bit about the women's program? Yeah. So right now they're currently ranked 60th in the FIFA rankings, but uh, that might go up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, their first international. Um, I just want to, give this to you, uh, uh, Eric, the first mm-hmm. international was April 17th, 1991. They had a one nil victory over Jamaica at home just before the start of the first ever CONCACAF women's championship. Just days later, they suffered what is their worst defeat ever, which was to the United States in the semifinal of that tournament. Do you know what that score was? I'm just going to give you one guess. Was- and then to save time, but give me a guess on what do you think? What do you think the final score was? I don't know. 12, nothing. Very close. It was 10, nothing. So okay. it was a double digit, but also given some of the, 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 uh, the margins that we've seen um, in some of our previous laser focus, that's not that bad. Okay. So mm-hmm. their biggest victory has actually occurred very recently. It occurred back in April during qualifying for this CONCACAF W championship they took out the British Virgin Islands. So I'm going to give you a hint. The British Virgin Islands did not score in that game, but give me <laughs> one guess as to what the final score was. I'll go 16, nothing. 21 to nothing. What? He scored 21 goals on the road at the British Virgin Islands. That's pretty stellar. Um, that's, that's three touchdowns, three, that's touchdowns. three touchdowns and the extra point. Like they were, they were kicking it. Um, so I, I say that about the CONCACAF W championship, Haiti has participated in six of the women's championships. Their best finish being that very first one in 1994, they finished first place, or I'm sorry, in fourth place. They've only made one Pan Am games. That was in 2003 
in the Dominican Republic. They didn't advance out of the group there. They've never made it to the Olympics in women's soccer, nor have they participated in the Women's World Cup. Yet, they still have a chance to be a part of the field in Australia and New Zealand next summer. At this, at the CONCACAF W Championship, they finished a shock third in Group A after they beat Mexico in their second match. And that means they qualified for the Inter-Confederation Playoff that will take place in February 2023 in New Zealand. So they have a chance to earn one of the final three spots in the 2023 World Cup. So very quickly, I want to break down what Haiti has to do at this point to make the Women's World Cup. There are going to be 10 teams that kind of get seeded and then split into into three groups, and they will compete for three spots and kind of like similar to the UEFA playoffs that we've seen where they're going to have teams kind of in pods and those pods, the winner of those pods are going to be the three teams that make the final, uh, the field of 32 Haiti, Panama, Thailand, Chinese Taipei, Cameroon, and Senegal have already qualified for the playoff. And the other teams that we're waiting for the fourth and fifth place teams from Copa America, the 2022 Oceania women's nations cup winner and the lowest ranked winner of the UEFA playoffs. Here is the issue with Haiti it is so much easier to get to the world cup. If you are seated, because in two of the groups, the seated team only has to win one game while the other teams have to win at least two. Haiti does have a outside chance of being seated, but they have to do one thing. The first thing is they have to get past Panama in the world rankings because only one team from a confederation can be ranked and is the higher of that team that can be ranked. Panama is three spots above Haiti at this moment. But again, given the results of the W, that could change. The other thing is they have to try and get up where some of these other teams from UEFA and, and other regions, where their ranking is a little bit better because they're only taking four seats out of, out of the 10 teams. And again, some of them are different or confederations, so they only are going to take one of those teams. So they do have a chance, but they're going to need to step up their quality of competition over the next few months to kind of get those ranking points to move up in the system. Because if they don't, their road to the World Cup gets a little bit harder because, again, they're going to have to win multiple games to get there as opposed to being seeded. They just have one chance and one game in the final. They win and they're in, and that's the position they want to be in. Yeah. And looking at the squad, I mean, we we saw all the games in the CONCACAFW Championship. They've got a very good squad. A lot of their players actually play over in France uh, professionally. So they've got some experience. They've got Melchi Dumornay, who had a great tournament, was named the top young player. Um, Marilla Mondesir, she's one of their top forwards. It's a very young team that has a lot of potential. Um, they're getting great experience and It's a very bright future for the Haitian women's program. Now, we'll touch on the women's program. Let's talk about the men's program. So the Haitian men's national team right now ranked 87th in the world. Uh, They actually, they didn't qualify for the final round of World Cup qualifying. Um, They're one of those mid-level teams in CONCACAF, not kind of lower end mid table. Um, they were knocked out of world cup qualifying by Canada. The interesting thing about this uh, men's national team, and you know, some of their star players, Derek Etienne of the Columbus crew and MLS, 
Um, they've got guys knocking around USL. Uh, and they also have players playing in France. Not necessarily elite talent, but they're very competitive. Uh, they're a very physical team. They've done quite well in CONCACAF Nations League. Uh, actually related to the CONCACAF Nations League. Funny story, one their star defender and captain missed their June CONCACAF Nations League games against Guyana because apparently the Federation was unaware that since he had a Haitian passport, he needed a visa to go to Guyana. So he wasn't even allowed to go into the country. That Not ideal. Um, and then going back to the, the World Cup qualifying back last June, uh, their captain, Johnny Placide, missed World Cup qualifiers against Canada that were being played in Chicago because he didn't quarantine for the COVID restrictions for 14 days. So they lost and then didn't make the World Cup. So a little bit of struggle for the Haitian men's national team. Uh, they've got CONCACAF Nations League games against Montserrat and Bermuda coming up in 2023. No. Jealous, me, of them. Listen, they don't get to go to Bermuda. They only get to go to Montserrat. So it's like half of the jealousy. Jealous, me, both of them. Yeah. Jean-Jacques Pierre, current head coach. Uh, they've got an extensive coaching history. Um, a lot of instability there as well. Um, the all-time leading scorer is Emmanuel Senon. Uh, he was played in the 70s. He has... 37 goals in 65 caps. Uh, their recent star forward has been Duncan's Nazan. He's got 26 goals in his 50 caps. He's still in the squad and a key contributor there. They've never qual- they've qualified for one World Cup. In 1974, they the Germany World Cup. Uh, they did not leave the group stage. They lost all three of their matches and scored just two goals in their three games and knocked out. That is their only World Cup they've made. Lots of hope towards 2026 with an expanded World Cup. Uh, They've never made an Olympic Games, and they actually do have a CONCACAF championship to their name, 1973. While they hosted, they were CONCACAF champions, uh, winning that tournament and being runners-up in the preceding and following tournaments in 71 and 77, respectively. Um, Donald, we talked about the national teams a little bit before we get to the fun part. I want to talk about a not fun thing. And I was hoping you got to, you read the articles as well. There was the expose in Josemar recently about the Federation, um, stuff with Seth Blatter. They're now banned for life. Former president is John Bart. Uh, he was suspended in November of 2020 for sexual abuse of 14 players, including minors, after an investigation from The Guardian. Um, there's allegations that he forced staffers in the Federation to have sex, like send them to the room of Set Bladder when Set Bladder was on a visit. Mm-hmm. Um there's allegations of rape, again, of minors within the national team program that were staying at the training center. Um, did you read through these articles, and what are your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, I've seen them in the past. Um, and the allegations are are just awful. Um, for lack of a better word, it's they're just they're just awful. And um, you know, we we saw Seth Blatter in the news because he he beat his charge over in Switzerland with Michelle Platini with the, I guess it was the fraud charges or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they were able to beat those charges, but they really haven't discussed these, you know, allegations that are going on in Haiti um, and really just, you know, or just the fact that it's not like Seth Blatter went once. I mean, he was, when he was, you know, FIFA, you know, FIFA president, he was there very, very often, you know, and again, when, you have a setup like that, you know, of course, if you're a sick guy like that, you're going to take advantage of that. So, you know, he, he was, he had played many frequent visits to, to Haiti and to hear that come out is just, it's just, it's sickening. Like, so I hope they keep investigating it. I hope they, you know, get the police and whoever needs to be involved, the authorities involved, because we need to protect those players. We need to protect those staffers. We need to protect those women. And, there has to be some repercussions for the people who were orchestrating this. Yes. Uh, Romain Molina, uh, who writes at Josemar football, he's done a lot of the coverage list. Highly recommend that you go through and you read the articles. Uh, We'll link one in the store, in the notes of this podcast, and we'll uh, share it on our uh, social media. It's called hell on earth. And it's, sobering look at what how terrible things can be in uh some of these countries with lack of resources and especially a country like haiti where the earthquake in 2010 destroyed a large part of the country also destroyed a lot of their facilities and the repercussions of that going forward um yeah they're still working to rebuild and recover from not only the earthquake, but the scandal as well. So we'll wrap talking the Federation and soccer in Haiti there. We'll take a quick break. Guys, real team or fake team's coming up. We're going to get the vibes back up. So we'll take a quick break, and Jonathan's going to join us, and he's going to be up to bat on real team or fake team. Welcome back. Uh, it is time for your favorite part of the episode. It's real team or fake team. Uh, Jonathan has been avoiding us for a while. It's been his team. Donald had to go twice in a row because Jonathan I had to take some hits, us. man. He took <laughs> some hits. And to be honest, Jonathan, Donald's coming off a one out of six and a zero out of six. So, like, the bar is very low. I know you think you've been doing great, but... I mean, I'm the only one with five out of six. No, that so. is actually actually incorrect. I got five out of six on the Guadalupe episode. So, you're not the only one, but you do have the highest average. I will give you that. So, we're going to see if we can take you down a peg or two. All right. So, Jonathan is our contestant, and Donald and I, I'll let Donald lead off here. Uh, real team or fake team? You gotta tell us, Jonathan, if this team is real, a real team out of Haiti, or if it's completely made up, fabricated, fake, not existing. Donald, 
Start us off. All right, here we go. So the first team I have for you is <laughs> Real Barbancor. Real Barbancor, fake team. That is a fake team. Barbancor is a rum, is not real as a team, but as real as a rum. All right. All right. So he's already past Donald. He's a, no, <laughs> no. He is equal with my, I mean, he's past the zero. The zero. Yeah, past the zero. zero. I can't believe you got a zero. All right. We're supposed to be on him. You're supposed to concentrate. (laughs) Focus. All right. My first team. Violet AC. Um, Real team. That is a real team. That is a real team. Okay. Um, The next team I have for you is Hatui Bacardi Club. The Bacardi Club throws me off. <laughs> Real team. That's what it's supposed to do. What's that? Real team. That is a really real team, and I have no idea why. Um, but yes, it is a real team. All right. Next up. Football Inter Club Association. It's so bland and boring. <laughs> In English, um, let's go real team. Commonly known as FICA, they are a real team. Hmm. Doing pretty good here. Um, so I have for you Victory SC. Fake team. That is a real team. Victory right. SC is in the Liga Haitian. So there goes my chance at, at immortality. Immortality, as, uh, yeah. As 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 a full as I mean, yeah. So let's let's see how we go. Okay. My last team. Baltimore SC. A real team. That is a real team. I don't know SC. why in that one either. They have a lot of English names uh, on their teams, apparently. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, they must be big O's fans. Also, uh, it sounds also it named sounds like after rums that aren't uh, from the uh, island. It also sounds like yeah. they just like borrowed like I don't know how many people here played PES back in the day, Pro Evo Soccer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Twenty eleven, like a uh, Merseyside Blue versus Merseyside Red, um, North London Red. It, it, it feels very uh, feels very pro evolution uh, soccer. A lot of their a lot of their uh, team names are like very uh, mad libby. Like Hatui is like okay, give me a French word or a Creole word. Hatui, uh, what are you drinking? Bacardi Club. Perfect. That's the team name. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So shout out Baltimore SC. Uh, in 2006, they actually captured the double, winning the league and the Coupe de Haiti. So you know, Baltimore SC consistently one of the best clubs in the league according to Wikipedia. So, Jonathan, great performance. You got five out of six. Uh, Donald, how are you feeling seeing him play so well when you played so terribly the last couple times? I, I feel nothing but pride at Slate <laughs> continuing his average, and maybe one day I'll get six. You never know. Game theory, baby. <laughs> yeah, something like that. He still hasn't been perfect. Anyways, another rousing edition of Real Team Fake Team. Thank you, Jonathan, for playing. 
Uh, that about wraps us up here. Uh, thank you for joining us for this CONCACAF laser focus edition on the wonderful nation of Haiti. Um, Donald, do you want to let people know where they can find you? Yeah, so you can find me at DW on Twitter and Instagram, mainly Twitter, because that's where I be keeping all the news. Obviously, I write over at Stars and Stripes FC, so follow me there. Jonathan? Yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter, SSP. Um, if you want to, you know, chat with the, the reigning champion of real team fake team. Um, and then, uh, you've, uh, writing going uh, again NS- next time, writing, uh, NSC content over at, uh, um, Broadway sports media for Speedway soccer. Yeah. Jonathan, I'm so glad that you could join us for the end of the episode to just to do real team, fake team, you know, just, you know, show up right off into the sunset, whatever, you know what? Bye. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Why don't, you, why don't you yeah why don't you just leave again uh <laughs> yeah thanks for tuning in make sure you subscribe to our patreon patreon.com slash podcast i'm sure you're sick of us advertising it but make sure you subscribe support the podcast support what we're doing we really appreciate every single one of you that has uh contributed and cares about what we're doing make sure you like subscribe rate review wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on social media podcast uh is our Green name on all the social medias. So your Twitter at podcast, Instagram at podcast, Facebook's backslash podcast. And you can always shoot us an email like, you know, we did in the 90s, uh, podcast at gmail.com. Uh, so yeah, thanks for the support. We will be back with another episode eventually. And uh, for the latest podcast news, make sure you hit us up on Twitter. And we'll see you next time. The pod is strong. R.I.P. the brand. Uh-huh.